welcome to a special collaborative series that is running as a joint project between the SA Pioneering Podcast and the Some Sort of Miracle Podcast. Uh, in this series, we'll be working through a new free online training platform that the Salvation Army's pioneering team have put together. Um, the, the learning platform has this to say about uh, the course. At our roots, we are a missional movement formed in and around the missional DNA. It is imperative that as a movement in today's world, we as believers engage with the edges and margins of society. Our belief is that while some are pioneers, all are called to pioneering. By pioneering, we mean to break new ground, reach new people in new ways. This course has been especially designed to introduce you to this missional DNA, connect you to others on the journey of pioneering, and support you as you explore God's calling on your life. And I guess we're trying to just share some of this uh, teaching course, some of this um, MDNA, and um, just share that through a podcast form as well. And we'd like to invite you on that journey with us. So we're going to be traveling through this training course together over the next six six to eight weeks. And um, you're, we'd love for you to join us on that journey by signing up to the uh, the course alongside us. So if you'd like to do that, the URL is pioneerbitesize.com. And you'll be able to find um, all of the all the information, all the videos, all of the, well the whole whole course for free on that website. And yeah, it's it's really worth signing up. So we would love to see you there. And there are some great spaces to have conversation on that platform as well and engage in the comments section. We also have um, some spaces um, on social media if you'd like to engage in the conversation with us. And you can do that by searching for essay pioneering. Um, is it SA Pioneering Podcast, John? Yes, the SA Pioneering Podcast on Facebook and yeah, yeah just Facebook. Yeah, and that's a group that you can join and discuss everything that we're going to be talking about, and we'd love to hear your voices and carry on the conversation there. And uh, we also have the listener group for the Some Sort of Miracle Podcast, which is SSOM Listener Group, and that's also on Facebook. So uh, there's a few different places there that you can connect with us and we'd love to carry on the conversation there. Um, but we are going to start off today by introducing our team. Um, so we've got a great team um, for this series. Not all of them are here with us today, but we'll introduce the others as we go on. And uh, first, I guess I should introduce John, uh, because John and I, this, this is an idea we've had, well, for a little while now, isn't it? Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, and it's taken a little while to, to figure out how we can make it work. But, John, yeah, could you introduce who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. Uh, apologies if you can hear the birds. <laughs> I had quite to nice, myself actually. for a minute. There was like a bird just like in my ear. I was just like, do I close the window or do I allow it to kind of stay? It's very um, atmospheric. Yeah, exactly. It just sort of puts a mood on as I'm introducing myself. Um, so, yeah, so I'm John uh, and I'm a pioneer leader uh, for the Salvation Army in Faversham in Kent in the south of England, south of England. Um, and uh, all alongside that, do some digital pioneer enabling with Ed, um, kind of more territorially. Um, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Uh, Luke, you're next up on my screen. Yep, uh, so my name is Luke and I am currently the Community Mission Facilitator um, for obviously the Salvation Army and I am based in Barrack-upon-Tweed. Excellent. And Luke, you, you've got some exciting news coming up, haven't you? Yeah, um, so I will be leaving um, the wonders of North Northumberland to be moving down to London soon um, as I enter the training college to train to be a Salvation Army officer. 
Um, which is really exciting. It is. Lauren, you're next. Sorry if you listened to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast a few weeks ago, but I'm going to say the same line. I am not going to the Salvation Army Training College. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Lauren and I'm, I live in Bradford, but I work in Morley. Um, and I am employed by the Salvation Army to be a children and family outreach worker. Um, so I work with in the community, um, reaching out to the families and children there. Excellent. And Hannah? Uh, so I'm I'm the odd one out. I'm uh, not part of a well. I'm not employed by the Salvation Army, but yeah. I do work with Ed and his lovely wife in Bramley, um, and I am a children's and youth worker. Uh, I work in Bramley, and I also work. I've just started working up in uh, sort of Hare Hills area too. So I work for Constant Baptist when I'm working with Ed and Sophie. And um, in my other sort of half of my work, I'm working with Missional Generation, which is very exciting. That is extremely exciting. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear more about Missional Generation and what, what you all get up to. Uh, yeah, uh, I should introduce myself as well. I am Ed. Um, I work for the Salvation Army in two capacities. One here in Bramley alongside Hannah, uh, working at uh, Copper Beach, which is a partnership between Cornerstone Baptist Church and the Salvation Army and Salvation Army Housing Association and a nursery. So there's all partnerships everywhere up here. And um, I also run a project called G21, um, which runs the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. So I do a bit of tech stuff alongside all that. Um, but alongside Luke, I am going into training college in September as well. So uh, yeah, it's all very exciting. Hello and welcome. It's our privilege to share with you this Pioneer Bite Size course. It's been a real joy in recent years to see so many passionate believers and daring dreamers exploring what God is laying on their hearts and minds. There's been a real energy and excitement that's been engendered by this new wave of pioneering across the Salvation Army in the United Kingdom and beyond. Jesus proclaimed the words of the prophet Isaiah in Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Throughout the centuries people have embodied this calling and today we are standing here in the cave of St Robert who like the Booths and so many pioneers today still seek to proclaim this truth. From its earliest days, the Salvation Army was a pioneering movement made up of new converts who literally sought to win the whole world for Jesus. Pioneer Bite Size is an attempt to both demonstrate and dialogue what key components are necessary to see a pioneering movement being realised. One that breaks new ground, reaches new people in new ways. Through a series of short videos, we will unpack subjects such as Jesus is Lord, Discipleship, Missional Incarnational Impulse, Apest, Organic Systems, and Liminality and Communitas. Each of the presenters are engaged in pioneering their own fresh and new expression of the Salvation Army. 
Our hope is that by engaging with this, your spirit will be energized to explore the possibilities that God has laid on your heart, whatever your setting and or your context. Yeah, so that is kind of the course um, in a nutshell. Um, it is aiming to equip us in our uh, contexts um, and give us some tools to look at how we reach that movement potential, uh, which I think we're going to talk a little bit more later when we start to discuss the MDNA. Uh, but yeah, we've got a great video um, now that we're going to jump into that shares uh, a poetic look at the Salvation Army and the idea of pioneering as a movement. While there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. For a moment his world stopped and the lines became clear. Reality drew near and he wept with God's tears. Despair, hopelessness and poverty was rife. God's spirit moved and deeply spoke to Booth. The moment that broke him also defined him. No more passing by on the other side whilst people died with hopeless cries. Pain caused him to dream and to imagine a new thing. For such a time he spoke and proclaimed the answer is true. Jesus died for you. A group of misfits, the outcasts, the forgotten, who saw love lived out. Justice and hope take flesh and compel them to confess Jesus is Lord. And so began a prophetic movement of compassion. God's love not rationed but released. New life breathed and the movement increased. People bonded together, empowered and sent with a purpose and plan for God's kingdom at hand that spread to many lands. From one dream of faith, a mustard seed was placed and grew in each woman and man. And the call 150 years later still stands. A movement of passionate believers and daring dreamers. A priesthood of all believers where all are included and called. That give voice to the voiceless, hope to the hopeless. That look injustice in its faces and speak truth to high places. That stand with the distressed and the silenced cry of the oppressed. Our history call was, whosoever will may come. And who comes to him will never disappoint and turn away. And this is still our call today. A pioneering movement compelled to love, bringing to earth heaven above. So we may not all um, be kind of Salvation Army or have Salvation Army backgrounds, but I guess in some way we're all linked in with the Salvation Army's work in different capacities. I, I wonder when you hear it describe the Salvation Army but our particular localities as well as a pioneering movement um, I wonder what that word pioneering means to you like is that a word that resonates is it a word that you think of often um, or or does it seem a little bit new and unusual I think for me um, when I think of pioneers I'm always struck to the I'm always struck by thoughts of the early explorers that basically said right I am off this new world. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to go anyway. And and I think that is a little bit, I think that really sort of sums up what sort of the pioneering movement at its heart, sort of at its heart can be. It is that being 
willing, being willing and being available to step out into the unknown and go to places that that we aren't familiar with. Um, very much for me, I have this image of it being a very much a a movement. I I, I either it's constantly on the move. It's not static in it, and being being brave to step forward into new realms and to and I guess just to push the gospel anywhere and pretty much everywhere yeah I was particularly challenged by um I don't know if it was actually in that video or what you said at the beginning Ed but about the um the fact that we might not all be called to be pioneers but we're all called to a pioneer movement Mm. and I was just really challenged by that because I've heard the word pioneer quite a lot recently um but not really my own context. And I've kind of seen it as something that's kind of separate and maybe like a new way of thinking or um, that kind of thing. And actually it's not, it's just going back. It's just going back to the roots. It's going back to what we were supposed to be doing. And I've spoken to lots of people um, recently about how sometimes I feel a little bit like the odd one out sometimes. And like, Mm. is it, is it me that's getting it wrong? Like what is going on? Like, I just feel so confused, but actually stuff like this just confirms to me that actually that that is what's on my heart and that's why I'm called to the Salvation Army and and we've just got to get back to that and I, I just get really excited and enthused when people are talking like this like it's yeah. it's how it should be and I think there's something about the landscape at the moment that I, I'd argue every every church that has tried in some way to adapt what they're doing over the past two years is pioneering <laughs> We, we are stepping into a new landscape that we don't have maps for. We are all figuring it out on the fly. And there is there is a creativity, a, a movement, a, a a sort of sense of direction that comes along with that uncertainty that I, I find really exciting. I think for me, I think the, the diversity that pioneering shows, um, I think seeing that as a movement being pioneering just shows how those early days of the Salvation Army were just a bunch of misfits <laughs> and they're kind of just going I'm going after that person that looks like me or that person that does exactly what I used to do or that kind of thing and not be afraid to go to those dark spaces that um that were so scary to people you know the pubs were so scary the the back streets were so scary and knowing and like Ed said you know those last couple of years where we've had to kind of venture onto those new dark spaces like online and to venture onto these these shores that have kind of like the 21st century that we're all still trying to navigate like at the moment with the living um the cost of living crisis and stuff and you know we there's still you know we're we're the movement that needs to go there and show jesus and be jesus um as much as we can in those places and kind of yeah just just be normal in those spaces and i think that's what gets me really excited um to see god move you know it's god's mission we're just going along with it um and you know the Salvation Army is good at that and has always been good at kind of journeying through that and that's just really exciting for me. I think um I think the thing that I always get excited about pioneering is that God uses our uniqueness in that you know and so what pioneering looks like for me and Ed in our context may look completely different to what it looks like for Lauren or for Luke or for John, like, because we are, we are individuals, but we're also serving individuals. And so our contexts um, therefore require different things. And, um, you know, we, uh, 
for us recently pioneering has been uh, going back and teaching kids how to play brass which um <laughs> is is unusual maybe um yeah. as a non-salvation army person looking in um but actually is is at the roots of of this organization and um has has worked wonders in sort of meeting our community and meeting mm. those who we're with and and we just happen to be a bunch of individuals ha who have some skills in music and are able to offer that to to our community. Uh, it's been a real lesson in humility for me, thinking that I'd never have to go near a brass band again. And then <laughs> God says, I've got a plan for Bramley. <laughs> Get the cornet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my instrument. I think Ed's on, Ed's on the trombone. I am. Yeah. yeah. College band, look out! <laughs> I, I think, Hold I on. Think the, <laughs> I just think the beauty of of the whole pioneering movement is that nothing's off limits. Yeah. Like it, it is just it sort of is that the shackles of the mainstream being completely released and being able just to go and do stuff and go mm. and be with people. Mm. Um, I'm currently looking back over some notes that I made when I read Alan Hirsch's book, um, um, The Forgotten Ways. And um, it's a good read, a lengthy read, <laughs> and, it, and it really hurts your head, but a good That's read. Good. And just sort of reading some of the stuff. And I guess for me, this obviously comes from his book, but I think the pioneering movement in encourages us to be um, holy rebels. Um Hirsch says that it's about throwing off things that would like hold us back and stuff that gets in the way of essentially being what Jesus wants us to be. Mm -hmm. I think that is where I think the pioneering movement um, can sort of like own that and sort of be holy rebels because like going off and doing all sorts of, of amazing, sometimes crazy stuff for Jesus um, is stuff that I, is stuff that I absolutely love and stuff that I absolutely want to shout about. So, yeah, talking of forgotten ways, I think uh, it kind of falls quite nicely into kind of what we're about to talk about. Uh, so you may be tuning in to listen to this um, and sort of wondering what is these? what are these six things that we're being told about? What is Jesus is Lord? What is Cuminitas Lumina, wherever it is? Um, that kind of stuff. And it all comes really from Alan Hirsch. Uh, Alan Hirsch's book, The Forgotten Ways, um, kind of is the kind of basis of these, these aspects of the, um, the MDNAs, the missional DNAs. Um, and what they basically are, are seeds, um, I would say. Um, I hope you agree with me, guys. Um, I would say they're like seeds for the church um, that every church has. Um, we've just got to flourish and allow them to grow and to nurture them um, and mature them um, as a as a community, as a church, as a um, as a context as well, wherever we are. Um, and it just helps us to kind of, yeah, reach people with the gospel, reach people um, with the with the good news of Jesus Christ. And um, so what we're going to be doing really is just going through these kind of, um, what would you say, these kind of like, yeah, these DNAs of what the what mission is and what pioneering can be um, in an established setting, as well as a new or a fresh way or a new location or an old location, whatever it may be, these kind of 
these seeds um, are exactly what Alan says are quite potent things that can be used um, to get yeah to get God in into those situations. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I love that analogy of the seed because Alan Hirsch talks about um, the, um, the 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 seed contains the tree or the potential mm. for the tree, and the tree contains the potential for the forest. And therefore, in this little seed, it contains the forest in itself in the same way, the potential for a massive world changing global shake up church that changes everything is contained within every Christian. And that that kind of all of that is that DNA, that missional DNA that is at the heart of all of this. So I think, yes, yeah, seeds a great way of describing it, John. Um, uh, yeah. And that MDNA is something we're going to be grappling with in the next few um episodes but the, today we are focusing on the first of the uh, mdna which is jesus is lord and all of the videos for this first session in the pioneer bite-sized material are um, recorded by beth munn who is a pioneer leader in faversham and is married to john munn uh, who's on the podcast with us today so she'll be leading us through all of the different bits of content for the rest of this episode uh, this first video that we're going to listen to now um, is about Jesus is Lord. The world is full of people who make outrageous statements and either fail to deliver or are completely proven wrong. When people claim that Jesus is Lord in their lives, is this their reality and something that's worth pursuing for them? Or is it something that's outrageous and completely irrelevant to most people today? In a post-pandemic world, there is no question that what the media tells us suggests that people's interest in Jesus and his church has little or no bearing on the majority of people's lives in the West. So, yeah, it's interesting when we look at this concept of Jesus is Lord um, and, you know, how central that is to, to our lives, but actually looking at how central is that to us as a society now how central is that to um yeah to where we're headed in this this era that we live in and uh, i guess an interesting question to to discuss is what does it mean to declare that jesus is lord in, in our life at the moment that's a big question it is isn't it it's a really radical statement as well Mm-hmm. like if you can think of all the other things that people could say that, that that sort of like their lord is so um my job is my lord money is my lord my partner is my lord and mm-hmm. of all the things that we could put up there as being number one to say jesus is lord to our world today that is the um post-christendom world is probably a really radical and crazy statement to make and one that is actually really quite brave and i think we've perhaps we almost forget that sometimes we go oh yeah everyone knows jesus but does everyone actually know jesus um so yeah i think it's a really radical statement and a statement that is one of great challenge as well I think radical is a great word for it, actually. I think like it's one of the, like you say, I think it's so easy to say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is Jesus is at the centre of who I am. But actually declaring that Jesus is Lord is so big. <laughs> like, um, and I think, 
like you like you say i think even for churches i think saying is jesus really lord at the center like was only with religious things like, i don't want it to be too kind of deep straight away but like do we really believe um you know that jesus is at the center is the lord or is the religious stuff of what we know about jesus at the center i mean it's such a really yeah really radical question to ask i think quite often we can um we can put ourselves in that in that bracket as well as I'm the only Lord of my life. Um, I think there's, there's a bit of a a trend of radical in uh, individualism, I guess you could call it at the moment where people kind of, are um, like all four kind of saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm number one priority for me. Uh, Everything's about making sure I'm okay. And then, and I think there are some positives into that mindset in some senses of like people uh, building up their self-confidence and, and, um, people kind of making sure that they take care of themselves and don't want to put any of that down because we, we absolutely need that but I think saying Jesus is Lord flies in the face of so much that the world wants us to to, to lean into doesn't it and I think that that is true of the gospel you know yeah. when when Jesus was walking around on this earth with his actual two legs um he he was flipping everything upside down and he you know he said to the pharisees um you know if you're gonna believe me then you've got to throw everything else all those the rules and the things that they were the the religion that they had made lord they had to throw that out the window Mm. and um and so i think it's it was difficult then and i think it's difficult now you know and Mm. it's you know the things that the pharisees held dear to themselves it's just changed to what we hold now and um but yeah that challenge has has always been there i think here's a story about a gentleman named mad mum mad mum was an early salvation army pioneer at the start of the 20th century i'll set you a scene right now a funeral is marching down the street accompanied by brass bands leading away the salvation army flanked by pallbearers carrying a coffin Now this was an unusual sight even for them and attracted large crowds. Suddenly, the lid swings open. The man inside jumps to his feet and in a voice clear and strong as church bells, commences to preach on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It would be fair to say that you don't get the nickname Mad Mun unless you earn it. Born in a village called Who outside Rochester in England, Harry Munn garnered the reputation for mischief even from a young age. Armed with restless spirit and a flair for the dramatic, he would attend the local theatre and dream of one day becoming an actor, holding large crowds in rapt attention with hypnotising monologues. So, it is little wonder that he became enthralled with the uniformed salvationists who spoke to each other in military lingo and played loud brass instruments. Stirring his soul, Harry realised that God was calling him to this life. Harry's sense for the dramatic and his innate creativity and zeal to share the love of Jesus made him a really successful evangelist. Always on the lookout for what would attract the attention of any crowd, Harry was willing to do anything, even a fake funeral procession. The casket became his pulpit of choice for gathering those large crowds. When he finally died of smallpox in 1904, he was laid to rest in the same casket that that served as his pulpit for many years. Madman was desperate to reach people and share the love of Jesus with them. He was creative and pushed the envelope 
in an impactful and successful way. And uh, yeah, we're really lucky to have a direct relative of Mad Mun with us on the call today. How exciting is this? <laughs> I know, right? I should get my coffin out, shouldn't I? It's just <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I've carried on the family uh, tradition. Here's my coffin. Favisham doesn't know what's going to hit them. <laughs> So is this a story that you've kind of grown up hearing uh, all the t- all around you? Is this a new re- re- revelation to you? So, uh, yeah, I mean, my granddad uh, in his possession had his old prison suit from when he was arrested for doing said stuff. So it was always something. I mean, it's now been, unfortunately, because he left down a garage and he got damp. He had to be chucked. Um, but... Um, yeah, so I always grew up with the stories of him. Um, and there's a book about him and stuff as well. So it was always kind of, and he was always just mad man. I didn't know his actual name until I was <laughs> a little bit later on. But right. yeah, what a story. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite, a, quite funny to be kind of related to that kind of story. And then suddenly when you start doing pioneering and your family's like, oh, here he is again. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, it's very proud, but yeah. Yeah. Do you have any uh, mad mad mun moments where you're tempted to, you know, grab a coffin or do something insane? Yeah, I mean TikTok. It'd be great to do on TikTok, wouldn't it? Like that'd go down (laughs) well. Really throw it off. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) Mad Mun two point oh. Yeah. (laughs) At Mad Mun is a brilliant username as well. I know it would go viral, I think, but. But it's interesting, though, that like the creativity of communicating mm. the gospel that is clear in that story. I wonder kind of what what the role of creativity is in our missional and kind of evangelistic efforts. And I, I wonder, like, yeah, how we all view that um, in, our, in our context. I just think it's so important to just grab people's attention because I think pe- people think like, oh, I've heard it before or it's not for me or well, that that's that's not really not really what I'm looking for and things. And it's just about showing that Jesus is for everyone. And just that's where the creativity comes in. It's just finding ways to connect with people and show them that, that this is a God of everyone. He's not a God of a select few. And he, he wants that relationship with you as much as he wants it with me. And um, I think like somewhere down the line, that's where the church has just gone so wrong. Cause we just think we all need to fit this specific mold. And it's just completely not what, Jesus gave off as a vibe, really. And the world is so busy, isn't it? It's so full of people wanting our attention, wanting us to listen, listen to them. Um, like especially the online world. I I went for a walk today, uh, and I didn't really look at my phone at all, and I just went for a walk. And the main thing that was struck me was just oh, the world is so quiet when you're not, you know, online. <laughs> and it just really struck me that of oh, how busy life it can become when you're just absorbing information constantly with with this online world and trying to get people's attention trying to cut through the noise is just it's yeah it's insanely difficult and i think like within that as well like the attention span of people now Mm. is so small i think i read somewhere it was like two seconds i might be wrong but it's like really short so if you don't grab that person's attention in that short space of time you're never gonna you know have that conversation again I think this is where the you know certain aspects of our church you know, our church as the Salvation Army but the church you know worldwide as well um certainly in the west where online is so so big um yeah I think you know you've got to try and grab that person 
by the hair thread really and kind of be like you know um but yeah it's really difficult isn't it in this day and age like you say and um but yeah just being creative like like you say just again it comes back to kind of yeah what you're good at what 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 do you like as a as a person we're all all different we're, there's such diverse you know what you what attracts you is different to what attracts me kind of thing and um and that's the same with the people out there and um we've got to try and find ways to to get jesus into those conversations i'm quite challenged by that because i think sometimes we can um try and add more noise to the noise mm. whereas actually like how challenges in it how challenging is it to actually try and create some space for silence in those yeah, places? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that, that's really challenged me from that, yeah. I get excited as I read about those formative pioneering days of the Salvation Army. Those young converts were not only centered in and around a radical pronouncement of Jesus as a way of answering people's searching, but it was also a fundamental founding tenant that caused the movement to spread throughout the world. From one man and woman's vision of what could be a movement not only mobilised, but a movement that spread fast and wide, a bit like a virus, Jesus was also contagious and so easily caught in those formative years of Christendom and in the formative days of the Salvation Army. Jesus is Lord is both a simple truth, yet a profound, beautiful statement. At the heart of the Christian faith, and at the heart of the days of the Salvation Army, was the reality of the person of Jesus. Those formative pioneers believed, lived and preached the radical, revolutionary Jesus and the gospel of transformation. We see the nature and being of pioneering movements, an uncut of theology that not only puts Jesus at the centre of everything, but seeks to live by and abide by his example in all that it does. In the Incarnation, we see the person of Jesus revealing and informing our understanding of the Kingdom of God. Those who proclaim to follow Christ do just that. They follow the way of Jesus in their neighbourhoods and in their lives. It's no wonder that so many people in those first formative days of the Salvation Army had their lives completely transformed because they not only saw but experienced for themselves a whole new way of living. This was definitely the alternative to the darkest places of England. Those first pioneers and pioneers today follow this way of living. But Jesus is Lord is not an easy option or an easy way to live. I believe this is especially true today as so much of our consumerist driven world is about centering around the me and where we have often too often become the big I am. But when we declare that Jesus is Lord, it can be costly and sacrificial. Following Jesus is not just about the cross of salvation. It's about the cross, taking up that cross and following daily. When Jesus first called his disciples to come and follow me, as he said, he was so clear that they should leave all that they were doing and follow. Booth and those first pioneers of the movement did similar things. So many of these formative converts having met with Jesus, could and would never be the same again. They followed Jesus, left what they were doing, and went about their new life, teaching and exhorting others to follow the way of Jesus. 
It's important to note that Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army, but is not the founder of our faith. That is and will always remain Jesus. Movements need to continually find themselves going back to the founder and its founding charisms. Too often, our own humanity and the challenges of living in the world cause us to move away from the founder. Regular realignment to Jesus is so vital as to maintain our movement. In the same way that movements need to realign themselves, so do its members. Alan Hirsch says that we can worship Jesus, but often he has so little lordship over our lives. Jesus becomes nothing more than a religious idol or a religious God. We see this being taught in Revelations where we read, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is knocking on the door of his church. Hirsch goes on to say that so many people have locked Jesus out of the church building. If we are to be a Jesus movement, we need to continue to keep coming back to Jesus and realigning our lives and expectations with him. When Jesus challenged Peter with this pivotal question, who do people say that I am? He was helping those first disciples keep their eyes on the founder of their faith. Peter's response proclaims a short statement that speaks volumes. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's the, uh, it's the Sunday school answer, isn't it? Jesus. It's yeah. all about Jesus. Absolutely. And I, I loved when... Um, Beth was talking there about how the mo uh, any movement that is centered around Jesus needs to keep coming back to him, needs to keep reor reorientating itself around Jesus. Because I think I think we, we've probably all seen it where at times we've drifted and we don't reflect Jesus as much. Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely a really important thing to highlight. There's a, a great quote from Martin Luther King Jr., and he says this, we need to pledge ourselves anew to the cause of Christ. We must capture the spirit of the early church. Wherever the early Christians went, they made a triumphant witness for Christ. Whether on the village streets or in the city jails, they daringly proclaim the good news of the gospel. And uh, I, I love that, that sense that they were willing to go anywhere and risk anything to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And I wonder if we were to truly commit to us, ourselves to declaring that Jesus is Lord in our day-to-day -day, as a church and as individuals, what what would that cost us? What what are the risks that we're running then as a church, but also as as individuals um, to, to declare that Jesus is Lord? I think the cost is absolutely everything. Hmm. But what we stand to gain is absolutely everything. Hmm. Um, I think it's, like i am reminded of i think it is in one of paul's letters he talks about how how basically the things that he used to hold as being significant he now holds worthless um a couple of years ago i went through a sort of a i was dissecting that and and sort of thinking rather than thinking it's worthless i as in it's trash, it can go on the rubbish pile, bring it down as being worth less than what Jesus can offer. And I think it's, and it's really, really cheesy. Um, but that's just the way that I like to see it. And that, you know, 
it 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 demands a lot. Uh, but actually, what we stand to gain is absolutely everything, and and what we stand to gain for others is absolutely everything. And I think it's one of those like it's you know you go back to the idea of of basically being that seed. It, 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 if it, if that seed that starts with saying Jesus is Lord can basically lead to how many other people coming to also say Jesus is Lord, um, surely the potential benefits of that would would always outweigh any cost that sort of comes to start with. Um, so that's where I sort of sit, sit with it, and and for me it's been a real challenge to to sort of recenter and actually come back to that um looking through some of my notes and going yeah this is this is why I do what I do there's a there's a great image i don't know if you guys have have heard of it the chosen um it's like a bible kind of yeah. journey like series tv series that's free it's an app um we've just been doing it as a bible study in our fresh expression in fellowship and um at the beginning of the credits there's like an image uh that's got like fishes in a circle and it's got like four or five going the other way and that the credit scene is obviously moving and it shows all these fishes going along and then every so often a fish turns like changes color and also turns the other way and the image that was sort of shown in the video where it's kind of like a guy walking along a beach and you've got like footsteps going the other way um and it was something about journeying with jesus walking with jesus and it made me think that like that's that's something that be, having jesus as lord i think you would like you know like what luke says you're walking away from potential friendships um friendship groups in particular and if i think about like the journey i've been on as as in my 30 years of life you know there's there's certain friendships that i'm glad i wasn't i'm not part of anymore um and it's that kind of thing like you know the discipleship of jesus um with, with jesus is you know turning almost from that path and going on a path with him and i think that like like luke said you know you you lose everything but you also gain everything and i think that's a really uh, profound thing um with with when you accept jesus as lord in your life i think that's a really important part i wonder then what what that might look like as a christian community as a church to declare that what um to, to really declare that jesus is lord uh another alan hirsch book that we're talking a lot about alan hirsch today but that seems to be the way of it um and uh, he's written a book called re-jesus and um they they it, they treat it as a verb that the church needs to re-jesus itself and he mm -hmm. claims that this is one of the that well the big work that the church needs to do is to reorientate itself around jesus i wonder what you guys might think that might look like um, if the church were to make that its priority at restoring Jesus to the center of everything that we do. Do you think that would mean a departure from some of where we're at? Or do you think that would um, lead like back into some of our deeper tradition and heritage? Or I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I, I wonder whether we would see um, a more outward facing presence in our communities mm. um i think it can be it's really easy to and i'm definitely victim of this or guilty of this or whatever the word is of um going to church and coming back home you know and and that not being and church not being um 
a center for mission it being just a place where you get fed and then you go home and you go about the rest of your week but I wonder whether by putting Jesus as Lord in the center of it when you refocus the um you know why you're doing this why you're coming to church every Sunday why you're going to a small group on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night I wonder whether that would create a community that that want to share that with other people um you know where I think she uh, was talk about transformation and I think transformed people transform people and I think if we're transformed into knowing who Jesus is then I think that will lead us into transforming other people because we will just be so overjoyed by the fact that Jesus is everything Jesus is Lord that mm. we'll want to share that with other people um yeah and I think a whole church doing that that is that is dangerous that's like mad mun crazy um so yeah <laughs> and I just think that would be way more like infectious and attractive to others then if we were these outward facing people who were just full of Jesus showing Jesus I mean first of all it would obviously solve a lot of the church's problems but then like it would then just make it a way more attractive place to be and I just think it would make finding out about Jesus just way more infectious because like he's a great guy I think it would also give the chance for the church to actually um to almost relearn its missional potential like I think um I, I thinking of I, I sometimes like like to think in like ways of tech and you like imagine you've got your browser open it's got so many tabs and so many cookies and it's got everything going on to it and eventually it's going to get slower and slower and slower correct me if i'm wrong ed um good so far and and like you just get to the point where it's you've got like 50 50 tabs open the internet's not working and you just basically just press system restart and once you've done that restart and you've cleared all your caches, you've got rid of everything, it can run a lot smoother. And actually, and actually the device can do what it was meant to do. Like if my laptop's not working, I'm not going to necessarily go, right, just throw it in the bin straight away. I'm going to want to see if I can reset to factory settings, um, go back to the founder um, so, so for my case, Steve Jobs, <laughs> um, and, 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 and just sort of like get, and actually get my device back to the way that it was supposed to be. And I think if we did that as the church, I think that would be such a a healthy way of 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 like living things out. Um I was reminded that obviously the statement Jesus is Lord in itself is actually a call back to God because obviously the early Jewish um people obviously cried out Yahweh it um obviously cried out Yahweh um is Lord so in itself by saying Jesus it Jesus is Lord we are tapping into that original um cry of God's people I think there is that and that's why I think I love Jesus is Lord because even that phrase in itself goes back to the first of God's people crying out Yahweh is Lord and so if we were as the church to sort of re-Jesus um, 
it would probably give a much needed systems reset and we could actually get back to being and doing the things that we were actually designed to do rather than being a a very slow working um constantly crashing machine so system reboot everyone i i also wonder whether um this this might be just totally ridiculous but i wonder whether if all churches had Jesus as Lord. I know that's a big, big ask, <laughs> but I wonder whether we would see um, less denominational division mm. um, and we might see more unity. Yeah. I think if when when you're keeping Jesus as Lord as the center, you're keeping the main thing, the main thing. Mm. And I wonder whether that would help us see more churches together movements and and systems where you're not necessarily disregarding our differences or disregarding the things that that make us different and individual but maybe we would be able to see less separation and therefore more impact because yeah you know yeah totally agree because you know our theology is not our lord our doctrine is not our lord no absolutely. our interpretation is not our lord because jesus is is our lord and you know I, I totally agree that if we as the wider church you know believe that 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 will look like us coming together and working cross-denominationally uh yeah i i that's fired me up hannah that's yeah great point early on in my journey as a pioneer we found ourselves pressing into God and to what and where he needed us to be. During a prayer walk, God transformed me physically, walking through our town market. On a busy summer's day, I was unable to hear anything and I felt so clearly spoken to that everything is going on, yet nothing is about the everything. I told our team that we needed to be in the market with a stall. Weeks of conversations followed, deciding on the hows, the whos, the whats, the why, but I couldn't get a pressing feeling that we should just do it. So one Saturday, we turned up with a gazebo and waited. We had nothing to sell or show but Jesus and his care and love for all of the people that would come past and come and speak to us. Our sole focus was and is to listen, to share, to talk with those who came by, whether they wanted to stop or not. Anyone could come in and they did. People started coming and the conversations were flowing about who and what was at the centre of why we were standing on this market stall. We didn't need to sell anything because the gospel was enough. We learned so quickly that it's not about the lights or the to-dos or the programmes, but the message and hope and love of Jesus Christ will really capture people's hearts enough. This is where the people of the town are, so we shouldn't wait for them to come to us but we need to meet, walk, talk, drink tea or coffee, or eat cake with them where they are. By removing the pressure to clutter or fill our market store with activities or other things, our focus was and remains always on Jesus and his message. Here, we're able to identify, distill, and live by the message of Christ. Talking into work, family life, questions, celebrations, hardships, and in life ensuring that like Paul wrote in 11, Romans 11, for from him and through him and for him are all things. So it's great to hear some of your story there, John, actually, uh, your and Beth's story. 
I, I just wonder how how are things going at the moment in Faversham? Because I, I imagine from when you first heard God speaking to you about going into Faversham and calling you into that new pioneering opportunity straight into a pandemic <laughs> um, and lockdowns and now coming out the other side, that must have been quite quite a journey. Yeah, quite a journey is, uh, yeah, probably the what I would have said. I mean, it, yeah, it was difficult. I mean, what they say when you go into a new place is obviously to meet with people, have coffee with people, have relationship with people. Um, and we did that as much as we could before. Like like Beth said in that, that video, we did the market stall um, that Christmas. Um, and then literally the <laughs> March afterwards, it was straight into a pandemic. Um I think the the way God moved, uh, God kept kept moving. Um, God's mission didn't stop. Um, we just, yeah, we just sort of tried like everybody else. I think during that, we just kind of were trying to find our way, um, which made the journey very interesting. Um, we we knew online was going to be a big part of what God was calling us to do in Faversham anyway. With mm. you know, try and. Um, so I've got this thing about making online your street corner. Um, so in an army sense, you know, the open air thing, I, I've always said that online is like a place where an open air needs to happen. Um, and so for us, it was always, already kind of built and going. So, yeah, we carried on doing that. And that kind of flourished in in any way that God can do it. We had conversations um, with people that we'd never, I don't think, would have had on in a coffee shop because they felt safer behind a computer. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, going, you know, fast forward two years to where we are now, three years almost, um, you know, we, yeah, we're just still amazed at how God's moving. Um, still have a bit of imposter syndrome because it's like, you know, we just can't believe that we're in this position, um, being able to do what what God's, you know, going along with what God's doing and kind of having the conversations we do and just trying to think, rethink stuff. I mean, we don't have a building um, still. Uh, we realise now that we probably do need one uh, just for kind of our, we do a thing called community wardrobe, which is kind of like a sustainable pre-loved school uniform swap shop type thing. Mm. Um, and it's got so popular. Um, we've taken up less than one of the churches um kind of side room and we it takes like a day to set up and then we have to put it down again so it's just not sustainable in that sense um so yeah but it it, yeah just just blessed to kind of continue in the journey and just seeing where god leads us as we kind of grow um and uh yeah build up a kind of worshiping community like we are and um and trying different things still yeah loving it so if you'd like to hear more about uh, John and Beth's story, we actually had Beth Munn on the um, Some Sort of Miracle podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, so you can find that by searching on your favorite podcast platform for Some Sort of Miracle. And it's episode 47, Beth Munn called to pioneer. And yeah, that's uh, it's a good episode, actually, if I say so myself. She's brilliant on it. <laughs> Nothing to do with me. But it's a great story. And she goes into much more detail. Uh, there but unfortunately we are running out of time for this episode um so i just want to point everyone back to the pioneerbitesize.com uh, pioneerbitesize.com which is the learning platform where all of these video clips all of the um oh and more there are quotes there's discussion uh, sections 
And um, in kind of at the end of this first section, there's a place for group discussion, uh, like a message forum. And there's lots of people that are interacting and having conversations in that space there. And it asks these three questions. Um, what is the importance of everyone in your church knowing exactly who Jesus is and how to communicate that? What is the impact of everyone in your church being unsure who Jesus is? And then an invitation to share poetry about who Jesus is to you. And there's been some amazing um, responses in that space. There's been some great conversations and sharing of um, experience. We'd also like to invite you to share your responses to those questions in the SA Pioneering group or the SSOM listener group. And we'd love to carry on the conversation with you there. So Jesus, the radical revolutionary, uh, pointed people to his father. The pioneering movement, which was the Salvation Army, pointed people to Jesus. Mad Mun captured people's attention and proclaimed Jesus. As a pioneer today, I'm compelled to show and call people to Jesus. As a Jesus follower today, I'm compelled by the same pioneering spirit to call people to Jesus, to realign our thinking and practice to the founder of our faith. This is what it means to proclaim Jesus is Lord. Thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed journeying with us and we hope you'll come along and join with us for the coming up episodes as well. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening and we shall see you later. Bye. Bye. Be well. I was, I was waiting for it. <laughs>